Today is January 4th, 2023. Welcome to Native Calgarian Oki Naganago Mekoche Chaistokom Oki or Dekots Nagotine Siku. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. My Dene lineage roots me from the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My name is Dekots Nagotine Siku. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Tene Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. Through my father, I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post status card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples, inherent rights, Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2S LGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I share my road as I go down the red road. As a Dene woman who has attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow for incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, a ge the genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue, reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of that today. I hope to honor the many Indigenous lives lost for this so-called country named Canada. I hope you all see your role in the importance of stopping harm and as a citizen, see your role in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Pride Month should never be one month. It is important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important that land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage all to introduce themselves with the acknowledgement of their ancestors, story of displacements, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement. So we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you won't, if you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nations names, you won't say your pronouns, you won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, economic oppression, your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winte's book Unreconciled explains that perfectly, as do many other Indigenous authored books. Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism, but it would be a part of recognizing a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation, honoring global initiatives like the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. I honor the Blackfoot 
As the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey, Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kennedy taught me how to pronounce my name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Elder and Denny elders as we and language keepers as I learn proper pronunciation. I'm speaking to you on the lens of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stoney, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, or you can send in your comments and questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And because it is January 4th, it is my birthday. So if you want to do a one-time donation uh, to help me go to Ottawa for the convention in May, please don't hesitate to give me birthday wishes in that way. Uh, but also all birthday wishes are always welcome always. So thank you so much. Um, so today I'm really lucky. So obviously you all know I was lucky enough to start uh, talking on TikTok and, and becoming a little little bigger on TikTok, which I really appreciate uh, the National Screen Institute and uh, TikTok Canada for having a program to kind of teach old cringy ladies like me how to do a little better on TikTok. And from that, I was lucky enough to learn about Thea, uh, who uses she and her in her pronouns on TikTok and uh, runs a book club. And I'm really grateful to, for you to be here today, Thea. Would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Nancy, my name is Thea. Um, I come from Treaty 5 territory, Norway House, Manitoba. Um, I use she, her pronouns, yes. And um, I come from Norway House. I grew up a lot of my time in Winnipeg, Manitoba, but now I live in the Okanagan. So um, happy birthday, I just wanted to say. So Thank it's you. nice to know. I didn't know it was your birthday. Yeah, just by chance. And today's the first day ever uh, for the National Ribbon Skirt Day. Uh, thanks yeah. to uh, that little uh, uh, woman in Saskatchewan. I can't remember where she's from, but, you know, she got shamed at school for wearing her ribbon skirt. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. So, I was wondering uh, where this day came from because I had no idea. So now I'm going yeah. to look into that. Well, this um, is just from memory. I know I've been sharing a lot of articles today, but basically there was a a school concert and everybody was asked to wear their formal outfit and she wore her ribbon skirt and her teacher was a total jackhole and uh, as a result she experienced discrimination and I remember um, hearing about this and we had a you know solidarity day with her to tell her like all of us aunties are like what in the actual you know thanks a lot racist Canada yeah. for your racism so anyway as a result though um it kind of became a national movement and we just passed the bill it became a national um you know piece of our holiday which is you know murray sinclair says uh you know education got us in this mess education is going to get us out and while it's wrong for a little girl to be discriminated against by her teacher in today's day and age 
at least now there's an educational component and piece for like all uh, Canadians to learn a little bit because, you know, it, it just, it sucks, you know, like mm -hmm. there's this huge machine of colonialism and then there's this one little shining light thanks to the activism of one girl and her family. So oh, really sure. grateful for them. Yeah. And it's so, it's such a beautiful gift to receive a, a ribbon skirt. Like it's an honor to have one. Like, mm -hmm. you know, those, they're not just something you buy off the shelf at your local store. They're handmade and, you know, a lot of love goes into those. The colors are important and everything. So to be so proud to wear it than to be shamed, but to come out of it, knowing that there's a holiday and going forward, everyone is going to know about it is so important. It really is. That. And a lot of men were encouraged to wear their ribbon uh, shirts as well. And, uh, you know, for a two-spirit who choose not to or choose to, like, I just hope you all know I support however you want to, you know, showcase your indigeneity and your pride yeah. today. Um, because it's an important day. Uh, it's the first ever. So, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it, and I it's going to be my birthday forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What a special birth. Everyone's going to be so dressed up on your birthday now. It's yep. going to be so awesome. <laughs> I've seen a post of someone wearing ribbon capris because they are two spirit. And I just thought that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like, I hope I can see someone in ribbon capris with my children one day to show them that we come in all shapes, you know, all styles and we're, we're all loved. It's amazing. Right. So yeah, no, that's a, a major thing for me too. I, I know a lot of people will skirt shame. Um, you know, I, I remember when I first started to become a bit of an activist, I had a Cree woman take me aside and say, you will shame us by not uh, proudly wearing clothes made by us. And I was like, wow. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, so I have put a lot more effort into wearing earrings, wearing my skirts, wearing mm -hmm. anything, but then of course you can over police each other and be like, why are you wearing Haida scarves? And I'm like, well, because somebody gifted them to me and I'm Dene and I have the fucking right to. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, Jeez. So yeah, no, and, and I don't want to skirt shame anybody with that either. Right. And for a lot of indigenous who have been um, disconnected from their culture purposefully, like, I don't want them to feel shame today. Uh, the opposite. Never. I want them to know, like, you know, you're part of a policy that has purposely disconnected you from your indigeneity so that, um, you know, stolen lands can be somehow, you know, justified. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so funny um I'm wearing actually a shirt made by four generation creations and it says land back nice. and like I wear this shirt out loud and proud because like it needs to be represented you know mm -hmm. this is also an indigenous company run by an indigenous woman and I want to represent her this is her sister's earrings her sister actually passed away recently oh. so now these are like a treasure to me these are like gold to me and I never want to lose them or give them up so you oh. know like you can't put a price on these items because it's not only what you're wearing it's how you feel when you wear them and you yep. know it's empowering it really is. My favorite earrings ever made was by uh, a native diva a creation. She, she's here in Calgary, uh, Melrin uh, Eagle Speaker Salroy. And she has a, a wonderful company. She's going international. She made me these custom Princess Leia ones, but I was I was downtown Calgary and there was a, a woman who was homeless and she really liked them. And I was like, the teachings I were taught that you have to give them to somebody yeah. who wants them 
And I was like, it's the very least I can do. And so I did. So I lost my favorite earring. So I know what you mean about how they feel like gold sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I've tried to get, you know, some remade, but haven't been able to do that yet. So anyway, I, yeah. I respect when you say they're like gold. Um, and I've always wondered what happened to her. And I hope, I hope she's okay. And I, I'll never, you know, really know. So yeah yeah <laughs> oh, and you might have been the only person who ever gave her something like that so you probably made a huge impact you know well and a lot of elders do that teach I don't want to give too many teachings on the podcast because no. a lot of um non-natives like exploit yeah. us right and and it's, no, but we're gifters that's what we do like yeah, I have friends yeah. too and I had a nice bracelet gifted to me by a friend a blackfoot lady deadly blackfoot ma on tiktok nice. and then I met um, another fellow TikToker and she was admiring it. I'm like, you know what? It's my time to pass it on to you. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And I hope she does the same thing because that's what we do as people, as Indigenous people, as we gift, you know? Yeah. It's not like, not like we're holding monetary or materialistic things towards us. We just keep giving it. It's, it's the wave, you know? Hopefully yes. it becomes a tidal wave of giving and that's how we heal. <laughs> Right. And that's where we should be. So, yeah, uh, one of the things that I think, uh, you know, we give too freely too is um, some of our Indigenous knowledge. But that said, Mm -hmm. I am a person who has a podcast. I uh, have a a book club and I absolutely think all book clubs with on Indigenous issues should be Indigenous led. So I was really happy to hear that you also are um, running a book club and um, you were saying you're in the Okanagan, but I guess you do it online too, hey? Yeah, I've only started my book club online on TikTok um, with the go live feature. I... I tend to go live in the mornings. I call it tea with a deadly Cree. I go live every Saturday with my Bannock bus where I turn Bannock into new recipes every time. And I started my book club for Mondays and I would go live in the evening and we would talk about, I would um, have someone read the first chapter and then we would talk about it the next day, like on the Monday. And I kept carrying that through and I carried it from the week after my birthday in March of last year until the just the last couple of weeks of December, I took a break to enjoy the holidays and we read three books in that time. And yeah, if you want to carry on your questions, I can have answers for you. Yeah, sure. So which books were you reading? Um, so I started with 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act by Bob Joseph because I am an Indigenous woman, I live under the Indian, I am a treaty woman, and I just wanted to know more about what we were raised up in, uh, my grandparents, my parents, you know, all of my ancestors, and I just wanted to be, I know who I am as a treaty person, I hold the number, but I wanted to know more about the process of the Indian Act and how it was created and how it affected us before. So when I was looking for books about that, this is the book that popped up as a bestseller, I hear. Um, and I bought it and I showcased it on my birthday when I went live. And so many people jumped on with the idea of having a book club. Um, I had one of my friends who is not Indigenous, but a, a nice ally offer to read because this is a heavy book. So I I allowed him to read for me so that I can really listen and partake in the stories because as an Indigenous person, we reading our own traumas can re-traumatize us, you know? 
And I also found that when we read the traumatized in books and you know parts of these books, that's when the bigger audiences showed up for these lives. So that was really shocking to see. Yeah, I uh, I find that really interesting. Um, I had a falling out with a person that was a part of my one of my uh, political campaigns and my book club, and um, she was literally only a part of my book club to extract the healing for herself that she could. And um, when she realized I had a boundary there, uh, because originally, you know, we're giving people. So we were doing it in the basement of the uh, Force Juan library. I would do a smudge outside and we would go in, you know, with that. And she started to demand the smudge and um, expect the smudge. And then so when COVID happened and we all went online, um, I found that I was able to get more folks to come join us. And then I think, you know, asking people to come from other parts of the city to Forest Lawn to go to the book club. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't find the public library very welcoming to us then. Uh, a couple of missteps as well since, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'll ever team up with the Albert, with the uh, Calgary Public Library again. And, um, you know, so I didn't want to put like seniors in that in, in that position anymore. Um, so I found that the Zoom was really good. And, you know, it just... It, it just really exposed people who were misusing our ways and uh, you know the same people who show up to our ceremonies not because they're legitimately great allies or ever advocate for us or vote for us or donate to us or amplify our voices literally so they can extract and mm -hmm. you know even with the trauma I'm like really like when when we when we show our trauma, when we write about our trauma, when we talk about the trauma, why is that not considered a call to action for non-Indigenous to do better? But it's like they like watching, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer kill Black women. You know, mm -hmm. they, they want to see murder of us. They want to see our genocide. They want to like, you know, pat us on the head and go, oh my God, it's so great. You're still here. You're so we, resilient. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rather than being like, hey, you know, my community association, my sports club, my um, elected officials are bullshit on Indigenous issues, and that has to change today. Uh, no, that's not where they put their energy. They put their energy into, you know, patting us on the hand mm -hmm. and uh, donating to non-Indigenous-led organizations that claim to help Indigenous people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, holy. So yeah, I'm, I'm really <laughs> grateful for TikTok for um, really teaching me my worth and realizing mm -hmm. I don't have to help these non-Indigenous led groups anymore, um, you know, because it, they're, they're not helping. They're not mm -hmm. doing their work. They're not, you know, educating their own. They're not doing policy changes. It's not in the infrastructure to hire um indigenous and black people and god forbid give us pensions and benefits so yeah for sure yeah no i see i hear you i hear you um yeah. one thing i did want to mention was when i had people reading this and we would talk i'd always do the trigger warnings for we're going to talk about residential school and this and that and um 
for some people I found like when they would come in and pop into the live, it's like a lot of people would take that and then use our hurt to, to carry on their narrative, right? So going forward, I learned a lot during this book and this part of my like TikTok journey and reading stuff like this to when I was talking about oh, my neck, one of my other books that I'll mention was Seven Fallen Feathers by Tanya Talega. And it's a, a very heavy book as well. So what I would do a lot of the time was mention, this is a book about trauma. We're keeping these stories alive for the people this book is about. Like, we're not gonna exploit their stories. Like, I don't want anyone, you know, taking anything from the book club and using it as their own um, because this wasn't my voice. This was the voice of these people. And then when I would chime in with like my story and my connection and how it made me feel, I would always make sure I knew like I was more aware who was in the chat because like, I, like you said, we want to protect our teachings. We want to protect our story, our traumas. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's like, like the one negative about having a TikTok live book club is that anyone can be watching anyone can be screen recording and you can always find your words coming out of someone's mouth when they're abusing your story you know yeah and that's like the journey I had to learn so I was also thinking of moving on to zoom for my book club because it seems like a safer place and we have to protect our peace and our stories right yeah so yeah it's been nice right that on. I get to talk to you and hear about that yeah I actually have a rule that indigenous people speak first um, mm -hmm. and, and for that reason, so that we can explain it. And I always say to non-Indigenous that you've had the narrative for over 150 years, so mm -hmm. you can <laughs> shut the hell up and listen yeah. as opposed yeah. to take space. But, you yeah. know, I, I get people who try to take space all the time and, uh, you know, we, we just kick them out or mute them. And that's the yeah. best part about uh, the Zoom. And I'm sure TikTok has a good feature that I you can police people, but... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't got there yet. So I'm just learning how to do lives even. Um, and I have only done them when it's just me, because it's the same thing. Like if you share something and then tomorrow you're like, mm, I don't want that public. I can take that out as opposed to mm -hmm. it being live. And it's like you can't take that back. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I really respect where you're, where you're trying to go, because to me, reconciliation really matters and uh, Indigenous led uh, initiatives matter too. So like we have a book, um, I didn't bring it, but it's uh, St. Paul only in French. So De Saint Paul or De Paul, whatever, however you say St. Paul in French. And uh, they had a really good initiative of uh, a reconciliation committee and group and they did a book talking about, you know, the problematic issues um, being how it's more Métis settlement um, as opposed to uh, it just being Indian residential school based. So anyway, really positive, like things like that I want to highlight so that that way, if you're missing my book club, um, one of my uh, good allies here has a settler book club. So um, she has that going. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then if you have a book club going, like the more book clubs, the better. Um, I founded yes, mine in sure. 2016. So 2016, Carolyn Bennett was the Indian Affairs Minister, and she was really encouraging people to learn and do book clubs. So that was when we founded ours. And uh, so it's been running monthly ever since. And um, wow. yeah, and we, you know, I, I go through the reports, like we went through all the TRC books. And uh, right now we're going through chapters nine and 10 of the National Inquiry. 
right? So that it's digestible because if you, like, yes, this is the national inquiry, <laughs> right? You can't read that in one, one month. So, um, yeah. but yeah. And then we put a book in between so that that way you're, you're kind of reading a book and reading the report at the same time. And uh, yeah. So, and then we have a, a reconciliation action group here in Calgary and um, you know, it, it's so hard. The machine of colonialism is so big, but you know, you see, uh, settlers who were like, you know, I don't think the Diefenbaker chiefs and their mascot is cool. Uh, I think that's a little wrong. And so you have non-Indigenous kids saying, hey, can we change this? And the, you know, institutions of the Calgary Board of Education and, you know, Government of Canada and all of these institutions are like, uh, nope, it's fine. And the kids are like, mm, seems pretty racist. And they're right, yeah. <laughs> you know. So then their yes. parents have to get involved. And they're like, well, we need a native to validate what we're saying. And I'm like, yep, that's fucking racist. So, you know, then the then they're willing to kind of do. And it, uh -huh. it shouldn't take that. It shouldn't take, like, I, I, we had this one school, Langevin School. Like, hundreds of kids signed a petition. Hundreds. And the Calgary Board of Education just tried to squash that and pretend like it didn't happen, right? Wow. So then we had to yes. protest the shit out of it. And then when the 215 came out, then they were like, oh, I guess we better change the name. And they were shamed into doing it. So all the years of advocacy from so many non-Indigenous and Indigenous, they wouldn't change the name. But finally, they did. And I was just like, you pathetic pieces of crap. Yes. Like that's what it took. Right. So like, and, and that's why we need our, our so-called allies to do the work because mm -hmm. it's so much easier to pat us on the head and say, that's just too bad. It didn't work for you. You, you little stupid squat. And yeah. it's like, hmm, or maybe you should try doing some work and seeing how difficult this is. So you have one of the most economic, uh, socioeconomic disadvantaged groups doing like four times the amount of work as non-Indigenous who are literally mm -hmm. the ones who should be doing this work anyway. Mm -hmm. So like, I just wanted to kind of put that out there in the hopes that whoever listens to this knows what your responsibilities are, right? Like oh, I have a sure. responsibility. Once you know, you have, you have a responsibility to act. So it's shocking to me how many uh, Canadians are like, oh, it's fine. Let's just watch Timmy's and, or drink our Timmy's and watch NHL. It's, <laughs> yeah, know? no. When we were talking about this book, The 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act, I had one of my white ally friends reading it. I call him cousin because that's how Indigenous people are. He's my cousin, you know? <laughs> and um, he was reading it and we were talking about one of the times where his family was coming to Canada and living nicely while my family was getting taught, getting the Indian beat out of them. Yes, And I was like talking, now we're both here in this modern day age and I'm living with all this generational trauma that I'm trying to heal from, you know, that carried me into, I believe this autoimmune disease that I have that I can mention soon. Um, and he's living like this nice, healthy life, like going into his forties, eventually a nice, healthy man. And I just barely made it into my thirties. Like, and I like the work I do now to you know, decolonize and break these generational curses and, you know, um, break those chains is going to benefit the next seven generations, but he's already well onto his way. He's already part of that healing of the seven generations of trauma his family endured. And to me, if that doesn't wake people up to know, like, 
to, to recognize that, to see both of us born in like the same age range, but we're both like, I'm barely struggling to like stay alive. And he's just living his golden life. Like we talked about that and he was like, I need to apologize. I'm like, you do not because it's not your fault, but it's good for people to recognize that, that that's, this is why it's so hard for us to also live and why they need to do the work because they're really able-bodied and healthy and, you know, and able we're to just do trying much. our best. Well, and, and that's what systemic racism is. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people try to deny what systemic racism is, but you just so eloquently put it together that systemic racism is all the barriers that we have to go through, all the health barriers that we have to go through that the white people never had, all of the newcomers never had. And, you know, I don't like to exclude BIPOC because I, some of the most oppressive people I know are BIPOC because they um, benefit from, you know, our stolen lands and from the colonialism they experienced in their country, right? And they just bring that here. So I don't want to exclude any, um, like I, the term settler really helps encompasses both the BIPOC and the white folks that came here, but it, it was the white folks who implemented the structure. And one of my most life-changing books I ever read was from Sarah Carter, and it was called The Importance of Monogamy. And it talks about nation building Alberta with all of the British Westminster legal system and po political system in order to justify land theft, in order to steal and um, or impose Christianity, impose uh, the straight agenda, and exclude indigenous women right like it it just is it's a, was a life-changing book for me um because it really showed systemic racism in the best way i've ever seen it put together but it's a hard book and you said it actually earlier that sometimes these books really bring trauma and then the two books i struggled the most with was clearing the plains and lost harvests because those two books like every paragraph is gut-wrenching and in, it, it's interesting because it's like Canadians are proud of their genocide. And when you read these two books and you read what they did, I'm like, if, if you are non-Indigenous and you haven't read these books, you have like zero right to talk to me yes. <laughs> about, about anything about colonialism, unless you've read these books. And if you're yeah. proud to be a Canadian after reading those books, then what is wrong with you? And then, you know, like there's a whole volume of missing children and unmarked burial sites of the TRC. And to have folks pretend like they didn't know, like I just, like like the most basic, smallest 94 calls to action says like there's a whole section on that. So for folks to have somehow forgot, disregarded, like they just showed me, they didn't read the 94 calls to action. They didn't comprehend them, no concept of it at all. So, you know, like, it, like it, it is important for us as Indigenous women to practice self-care, community care. Yes, um, yes. A Black woman actually had said yesterday, it is our duty to teach our daughters self-care. And I went, whoa, what, what a great teaching. What, like, mm -hmm. that's the teaching because I don't want my daughter to go through this. So like I've been telling her, oh. the city of Calgary, they want to exploit us to no end. So they're like, oh, you're Native? Oh, we want to teach. We want to steal your teachings. We'll set up the community hall and you can teach everyone for free. All the ribbon skirts yeah. are beating. And I, I told my daughter, I'm like, don't you do these things for free. You have a no. PhD in being a Native. You, you do not get to be exploited anymore. Yes. 
You know, it's not yeah. enough they stole our land. It's not enough they won't do the work of treaty partnership. It's not enough they won't learn the truth to do reconciliation. Now they want you to teach them for free. Fuck right off. No. Like, yeah. So. We say um, we were actually the first TTAIC group. We have a group chat going. And when we were talking about rates and what we should cost, like put the cost at for our, our work, um, one of the women said, pay me as much as you'd pay a white man and more, you know, and the extra because this is a lived experience from birth, but yeah. also multiple generations before these teachings go way beyond anything we know, like they're from the ground up, you know, and I just thought that was so amazing. I recently started creating content with the, the Food Network and when they were um, approaching me to see what I would cost. I didn't know how to put a number on myself, but then I realized what I bring is my whole lived experience. This is my whole Bannock recipe that I created on my own, you know, and I, I have to, you know, put a value at me that I would probably think is too much because I have that um, imposter syndrome. And I'm sure there's people out there who feel so entitled that would do less and cost more, you know, so yes. I always have to think of that. We have to think like, whatever you think plus more because we are worth it yeah like we are so worth it yeah absolutely um yeah it was funny I just got a, a email from a friend today and he was like hey do you know this person can you let me know um what their new email is I'm like oh that person has been outed as a fraud they are 100 white and uh yeah you should disassociate with them immediately and uh, so I'm curious to see if that email is going to go viral and I'm okay if it does because you know, why is it these non-Indigenous people are taking our space? We, you and I, like I suffer from imposter syndrome, right? Right? Yeah, Gosh. I bought this book. I bought The Inconvenient Indian before I found out he was a pretendian because I wanted to read it for book club because I heard it was a great book. I bought it and then maybe a week later, I found out Thomas King was a pretendian. And I thought, no, I am not bringing this book forward. But every time I hold book club, I will hold up this book and warn everybody not to like take this for word because this is like another story of someone who's listening to our traumas and taking it and taking it as their own and then profiting from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Chelsea Bowell has no. a really good book called Indigenous Rights and um, it's a really like I, I think it's if not the equivalent maybe better than that book um, I know mm. it has changed the view for a lot of people uh, towards Indigenous people that book and uh, there's some good truths in it don't get me wrong oh but yes, yeah it, yes. it is so frustrating because uh, I have another one Alexis Sherman and he's been outed as a uh, like a sexual harasser so, you know, like, I don't want to do another book club with his book at all, because no. I like, I have such a, I'm, I'm 46 today. So I have a very small window of how much longer I'm going to be here, thanks to intergenerational uh, trauma and health trauma, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm already dealing with health issues. Um, we kind of talked earlier that we were hoping neither of us would experience the brain fog while we're taping because, <laughs> you know, we both have it. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I remember of brain fog is that I have it and everything else is gone. So I have to always warn somebody because yeah. I do live with rheumatoid arthritis. I was diagnosed in 2019. Um, I had, I was pregnant 
Um, and I lost my mother in July, uh, June of 2019. I had my baby in July of 2019. And then I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety in August of 2019. And after going through all of that, plus the intergenerational trauma that I do carry and losing my matriarch, I just, you know, I slipped into an autoimmune disease called rheumatoid arthritis. Um, it's taken me on a lot of highs, a lot of lows. A year ago today, I had a surgery where I lost a lot of blood and I had to go through like iron transfusions and everything, infusions. So like this journey with my body and um, hosting a book club is actually pretty healing because it's something I can do on live where I just sit and read, you know, and um, I used to be a really physical person, but now I, I do do a lot of self-care, like reading these books. I take baths, you know, and this disease is what taught me that self-care is essential because it thrives on stress and, you know, a tired body. So you got to take care of yourself. Reading these heavy books taught me that we have to take care of ourselves because we do get re-traumatized when we read these books. Yeah. Reading the Seven Fallen Feathers book, I had a friend who drowned when she was just a young girl. And, mm. you know, that was a lot of what this book is about is people, Indigenous youth drowning and stuff. So I would always hold space when I read that book and, you know, warn everyone and take a moment of silence whenever I needed to. And because yeah. you got to take care of yourself, especially when you live with a disease like this and all the traumas we carry. Agreed. Um, first of all, congratulations on your babies. I love hearing about that. Um, and I'm sorry to hear about your mom. And Thank you. uh, yeah, you're welcome. And yeah, these autoimmune disorders, um, you know, it, I wish Canadians understood that the years of starvation, changing our diet, the years mm -hmm. of denying us health care, the years of denying us clean drinking water, like it adds us. up. Yeah, mm -hmm. it adds up. Oh, I'm and, an E. coli poisoning survivor from bad water too. So <laughs> I almost got taken out when I was a child. So like, I feel like I'm like just a walking example of like the colonial constructs and how they've attacked us, you know? And that's why I do provide a lot of my um, platform to focusing on book club and indigenous lifestyle, indigenous humor, mm -hmm. like raising awareness and everything. So I just love it. I yeah. love being indigenous. <laughs> right. Me too. It's I the best. <laughs> honestly, once I figured out what was happening to us, holy cow, the instant pride I had of my family, um, all of the tribulations that they had gone through. Um, it, it, Boy, oh boy, I have so much I want to talk about with you, but Jesus, there's, there's only, <laughs> there's only like, so, much time. so much time, right? And and yes. I think to me, it's just an honor to meet another TikToker who's doing such good work out there. Um, and I, I want to not just highlight that, but, you know, here's the thing. I, I have no problem telling like settlers to fuck right off. I have no problem doing it anymore. And so they, some still want to learn from, uh, you know, indigenous creators. And I'm like, fine, go learn over here, go learn over there then maybe. Cause I I'm, um, like just go back to Western knowledge and, and, and we know that teachers have to teach the same concept to kids in order for them to um, get it like eight times or whatever. So I might be the first one that they've heard this from, 
So it might take a few other creators to tell them the fuck right off in order for them to be like, hey, maybe I need to take a step back here. <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> yes. So so my hope is, is that people will hear like the message I'm saying, the message you're saying, but maybe they'll connect to how you're saying it in a, in a great way and go from there. And, you know, there are little things that settlers do sometimes that just kind of like really warm my heart. And um an example of that would be somebody made Bannock once and brought it to our book club and they, they were gifted the recipe somewhere and they made it and they brought it. And I was like, that's the type of stuff I appreciate. Right. Cause I was killing yes. myself going to the store, getting donuts and getting coffee, making coffee at home and bringing it because God forbid the Calgary public library would do that when they yeah. say they want, and they want book clubs, but they're like, but we're not going to support you. And because you're a squaw, we don't want you really here. So we're not going to really welcome you here. We're certainly mm -hmm. not going to go out our way to help you. Right. Like, <laughs> holy cow. like we'll give you this, but you still have to beg for more because we will not, you know, Totally. We want to so, make it look good. Like we're doing something, but we're not actually doing right? something. So like, I mean, don't get me wrong. They've come a long way since 2016. We have a new beautiful central library and at the top they have these, um, like an indigenous section, but they also have elders that are there and they're paid to be there. Oh, so wow. that's good. You know, that and is very good. I'm shocked at how many Calgarians don't know about it actually. So, you know, I, I tell people that, and the hope is not that white people go and be like, Oh my God, teach me all your ways. My hope yeah. is, is that like our lost natives will find their way there exactly. and start identifying. Like I have a good friend of mine who um, like his last name is divine. So it, it's a, such a Métis name. And he knew he was Métis, but he was just too afraid to, to claim that, right? Yeah. And now is starting to go through that process. And I'm like, thank bloody God. You know, you're, I'm hoping your family is smiling down on you now. So. For sure, yes. <laughs> Anyone know? with Indigenous Métis in you at Roots, you like, take up all the space you can. You know, we need to start doing that. And yeah. like, we've come a long way from when I was a child. I'm 33, uh, turning 34 this year. So to having my own children and them seeing land acknowledgements and, you know, all this representation, every child matters, ribbon skirt day. Like I would never as a child of my son's age of seven ever imagine that because I was too called a squaw when I was just a little kid in nursery, yeah. you know, yeah. in a white school in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And it took a lot to like be proud of who I am. It took me until I was actually working in a jail in my 20s. I worked at the Women's Correctional Center in Headingley, Manitoba for about five years. It took me until then to like really wake up and realize I need to be proud of who I am because I need to represent these women and you know represent yeah. like every indigenous person and yeah. just to see it in this day and age it's good but also we have to keep fighting for it we have to keep yeah. like I could wear this shirt and someone can say something silly about land back and I have to like say it's not like I'm going to go into your yard with a wheelbarrow and dig it up and take it to my house that's not land back no, like it's no. about you know acknowledging that we are still here and that we are, you know, loud and proud and we're not here to hurt you. We're just here to be acknowledged and, you well, know, represented and have our space. Like the reserves that um, they're only 0.02% of, of Canada. Yeah. Right. Like most of it's under crown jurisdiction. So like here mm -hmm. in Alberta, like we have whole um, Alberta government uh, divisions to basically approve 
any lease when it comes to pipeline, well sites, development, mines, all of those things. Like, like it, it's a simple process because that's what I used to do. Like I, I know how the process works. So it's, um, it's so simple, the concept of land back. And we like Doreen Spence, she's one of our elders here. She's Cree. And she was one of the elders that went to the UN to fight for uh, UNDRIP, right? So like we have a duty. If, if she was a white man who was a part of an international agreement like that, we'd have freaking holidays for her. We'd have bridges for her. There'd be a statue somewhere. <laughs> you know it, right? I'm waiting for them to um, put the Winston Churchill statue up so that I can ring a cowbell uh, the entire time. Uh, so there was this, just a backstory real quick. So Winston Churchill is one of the worst people I think there is. And ironically, I have a cousin that just married a descendant of Winston Churchill. So he was a total drunk. He was just a jerk. Um, you know, he thought so lowly of us as indigenous people and, and black people in Africa. Like he, he didn't discriminate. He hated everybody who wasn't white. So anyway, lots of great quotes of what a racist prick this fellow is. Anyway, they want, there's a whole committee and they um, already raised all the money and got a whole new bronze statue and they're going to put it up here in downtown Calgary. And there was this woman during Winston Churchill's time and she used to bring a cowbell. And whenever he spoke at at a town hall, she would ring (laughs) it so that you couldn't hear him. And then everybody got so mad at her. Her name was Molly Malone. So I am definitely encouraging all of Calgary to go over there with cowbells and just, you know, we'll have a a moment for Molly Malone. (laughs) Molly Malone moment right there. I love that. I would totally join if I was in the area. Right. So, and and maybe that's what we'll do. We'll just make it a national, like indigenous. Hey, if you want to, you know, upload your TikTok in solidarity. (laughs) Yes, go live or something. That would be awesome. I know. So anyway, just silly. I know, but it, but it's real. That's our humor. That's how we heal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I can't. Right. And hopefully one day it will be replaced with the Doreen Spence bronze statue and the very people who were so willing to get donations for Winston Churchill, maybe they'd be Mm -hmm. willing to do the same for her and I highly doubt it so I think I'm going to have to make a Molly Malone statue (laughs) yes maybe I can make it out of Bannock we'll find a way right oh my god that's so great I really enjoyed having you on my show today is there anything else that you'd like uh, to share with folks about how to get a hold of you or or stay in touch is it just through TikTok I have my TikTok. I am Cresia on TikTok. I am Cresia on Instagram and Cree.thea on Facebook. I just joined Facebook. I am not a fan of the Facebook world, but I find uploading content there does reach a lot of people and I love upload a lot of Bannock recipes. So if you want to know how to make fried bread, fried Bannock, um, baked Bannock, Bannock dogs, like I have a playlist of all these Bannock recipes. That's kind of what my niche is on TikTok. Um, I am starting up my book club again soon. I'm not too sure what date yet, Um, but I will be uploading on TikTok when I do know that date. And yeah, on Instagram, I just share a lot of my own posts about what uh, Indigenous humor, like, or if there's like a national MMIW day or a ribbon skirt day, I didn't know that was today, so I didn't make any posts. I like to share my posts on there and it's just, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, Right on. 
Right yeah, on. I go well, live every you. morning, uh, every Saturday, uh, except it's this year now. Mm -hmm. I will be doing my Bannock bus. I did it every Saturday at five. We'll be going every second Saturday because I need to take that time back for myself and my children. And yeah. Right on. Well, I'm so glad to have finally met you. I love TikTok because I feel like you kind of get to know a person a little better. So oh, I'm yes. really grateful uh, to get to know you and to talk to you today and talk about the great work you're doing for, for our people and yes. honored. I hope if there's anything that comes up, I hope you don't hesitate to let me know so I can share the crap out of it because I, oh, yes. I love I sharing our in. joy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Tune into your book club or your um take your you said you had a this is for the uh, see I have the brain fog now and I can't think of the word podcast yeah, right yeah. so I will look for that and then I'll start listening because oh, I love podcasts I love I listening to background noise always let's go back to uh seven fallen feathers there is a great <gasps> podcast that's a sequel to that by the way and I I recommend it to everybody and geez oh, if gosh. I could remember the name of it right now but it it's um geez I want to say Ryan McMahon hosted it on Canada land and it's like oh. a sequel to that. And it just exposes all the corruption in Thunder Bay. So oh, it's a great podcast it? to listen to. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and good. I'll look at that. Absolutely. And because uh, uh, to me, again, we need to honor those folks. Like my, my brother was working at the brick at uh, Thunder Bay and he said it was just crime and racism and he's more visibly native than I am. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I worry about him when he leaves the house about him just being shot and murdered by the police or by anybody else because they can get away with it because he's he's native presenting right and it just it pisses me off to no end and, and the amount of allies that don't show up to our vigils and don't speak out yeah. against like whether it was Cindy Gladue or or Sonny Crazy Bull or um here we have uh Quentin Crochu when he he went missing oh my god I have so many names like and that's wrong that I can just tell you about Joey English, um, you know, with this whole thing that happened and that is happening in Winnipeg in the landfill, yeah. like that is our reality here. We have uh, Joey English's family that were fighting the city of Calgary to try to get uh, Joey from, from the landfill. And, you know, the same thing with them. They were like, what racism? Uh, we don't understand they, racism. <laughs> they don't want to dig up the landfills because they'll find more of us that they don't want to find, you know, exactly. and that's our reality. And like, just like with the 215 in Kamloops, we all, we all knew and talked about our children missing beyond what was reported and all these horrible stories, you know, and then what happened was they had to literally go and dig it up and do like a land search for everyone to be realizing it, but only to be forgotten about shortly after it seems. And you know, I feel like and that's what's trying to happen in Winnipeg is they're trying to just carry on the story until people forget again. I but know. the thing is we, we won't forget now because we have TikTok, we have all these media um, outlets, the podcasts, everything where we can, we can show our support and get our stories out there. And that's what they don't like, I believe. I agree. Um, I just want to mention Siksika Nation. I'm on Blackfoot territory and they just had to bury uh, uh, Nathan Leather. Um, yes. They finally released his name and uh, they just buried him. Um, and, and, you know, this is after Kristen, a young man as well. So obviously, like I'm a big believer in family led. So we're just going to let them uh, determine what it is that they want to do as a nation, as an, as a family. And, mm -hmm. uh, but they're in my thoughts and prayers because I just like, you wake up on Christmas morning and you, 
it, it's in, like, I, I can see why you don't like Facebook because the first thing I seen was his death, his shooting. There's a video on Facebook of it. And, um, you know, wow. it, yeah, yeah. Like that's what my Christmas morning looked like while everybody else is, uh, you know, enjoying the day. I'm, yeah. rem I'm reminded that if I have the audacity to be an unwanted native, somewhere the police will shoot and kill me and always get away with it and have a whole white group of people saying oh what did he do to deserve that but i've mm -hmm. never heard them do that when it comes to non-natives right so it's just no, so gross you can see it in the media with the they call them young men they call ours young thugs you know they call them yep. missing women they call ours missing street workers you know yes. it's just disgusting i know it is but gross so anyway, I did see some joy, um, you know, Hal Eagle Tail from Sutina. He's uh, one of our Denny elders. He hosts sweats for uh, Indigenous who are looking for sweats. I was lucky enough to be there for the New Year's. And oh, yes. uh, yeah, they did uh, four shots off the rifle to bring in the New Year in, in the middle of one of our rounds. Like it was really great. So um, and then I got to watch uh, Siksika honor one of their young military men um, put on a headdress. Uh, it was a transfer ceremony. So his dad had a headdress and it was transferred oh, to him. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it yes. was absolutely wonderful. His name is uh, Zach White, uh, White Elk, sorry. And um, he was actually the fellow who was holding the Eagle Staff when the Pope came. So, uh, you know, he, he's trying to do good work and trying to do the political work in the military for us. And um, as I know, many of our Indigenous folks who have jobs in these awful institutions try to do so, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's my, my role, my responsibility to honor that I witnessed that. And it was uh, Clarence Wolflag and um, who, he, he led, led the ceremony for the most part and then francis melting towel he was there with his dress headdress as well and ruth scalplock was there so you know the elders were there to witness this as well but it's our job as witnesses to always lift up our young men who are yes. who are doing the good work and then um you know and acknowledge all of the the healing and supports for us as indigenous people without giving out all those teachings to all the yes for sure <laughs> gonna keep our secrets you know yeah, that's right that's right so thank <laughs> you for being on our show i'm gonna do the exit and don't hesitate to chime in as i'm speaking if there's some things that pop up because i know for me like with thing with brain fog um one other thing about tiktok I'm like for the first time questioning if I have ADHD or if it's the brain fog because <laughs> ADHD TikTok is so good at being like oh geez oh geez oh, oh yeah geez. is that me <laughs> I know it's like I didn't know me until I got on TikTok and then I started finding my algorithm and I'm like that's me oh okay <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I may have to look into that, but it, it's an expensive thing out here. In, oh, in I, yeah. Alberta, so. <laughs> so I made it this far in life with learning and living with it. Maybe I could just carry on a little longer, and the TikToks will help. You know, oh, I'll discover really, some hacks along the way. <laughs> totally. There's this really strong um, black woman here named Adora. She's a comedian. Oh, she's so funny. And her and I had a conversation about brain fog and how um, the things that we learned through our life in order to survive this world were like wiped. It's like when you do a hard reset of a, of a, a computer, right? 
Yeah. So I've been really thinking about the gravity of that and how we do our coping tools in order to, anyway, I could go on and on. We could be talking all day. Oh, for sure. And, and you're welcome back anytime for, for sure. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you asked me. I've never been on a podcast. I've never had a zoom meeting with another creator. So as soon as you asked me, I was like, yes, please let's do this. I'd love to. That's awesome. I'm so happy and I'm so happy we got to know each other and I hope to support each other the best way we can moving yes, forward. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Well, I am proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training or first aid and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, folks with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Thank you, Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, Alicia Fridkin of heretohelp.bc.ca for their What is Indigenous Cultural Safety? and why I should care about it. Their work and those cultural action tools are available. Please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to repeat them here. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. And Donna Bevins has a whole website of racialequitytools.org and, and a whole PDF on what is internalized racism in order to help folks like me trying to understand some of the things that we experience on a daily. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So AFSC.org has some really great do's and don'ts. Uh, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our reports or sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, book clubs, <laughs> and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, not giving proper health care for the uh, drug crisis, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention programs, and now 231s, calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Provincially in Alberta, the Kenny government created 113 pathways to justice, so all the blue voters should be holding your blue MLAs to account on it. Follow the new Premier Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women Girls uh, work. I haven't seen anything coming from that, frankly. Uh, municipally, we have a white goose flying report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, social media, media, health institutions, with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms, politicians, businesses. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they have zero business running or donating to them. Uh, this should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, more. Uh, Google articles on how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies. Uh, Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast in the hopes that we can reach our allies to write and do more on the crisis that we're facing. Uh, she told us about the Alberta or so the AboriginalAlert.ca. You can sign up there for alerts. Uh, you can also download an app for Missing Children's Society of Canada. Um, a really great 
uh, piece that went out was a statement by the uh, homeless women's homelessness.ca and they demand an urgent action to protect the lives of indigenous women girls two spirit and gender diverse people experiencing homelessness. Uh, this government's failure to properly respond to the crisis the drug crisis is costing lives costing taxpayers and using up already scarce resources in our overburdened ambulance and hospital systems. So if you know someone who is using substances, please don't use alone. If you are using alone, you can contact the National Overdose Response Service at 1-888-688-NORS for support. And you can download the Brave or the Doors app to help you through that. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 855-242-3310. It's open 24-7. Uh, you can also go to their website, hopeforwellness.ca, and they have a little text option there. Uh, if more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. And um, if you're non-Indigenous, you can also contact almost any distress center for you. There's usually a functioning 211 or 833 Four five six forty five sixty six. If you're in Alberta, there's a 60 Scoop uh, Society for Indigenous People at ssisa.ca. And the following are two SLGBTQ plus uh, crisis supports available in most areas in Canada. So you can go to lifevoice.ca and the Trevor Project has a line for the LGBTQ youth, uh, 866-844-7386. And the trans lifeline is 877-330-6366. Um, I'm your auntie, smarten up, you matter. Don't even think about doing anything but calling those lines if you need anything. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back. So why I started the podcast, to speak freely without interruption, tone police, racism, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions. Many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs. And even if they know nothing about us as Indigenous peoples, colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, I and many others share info on microaggressions daily, so it is unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism and gatekeeping. Uh, there are people who survive off the status quo, people who are in their trauma and stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me, Indigenous people, folks with disabilities, QT, BIPOC, and others. So go to that um, Donna Bevan's piece to learn about how you may be contributing to it. it even yesterday, I was humbled by... Uh, the fact that we we don't listen to black voices enough so i'm always working through my anti-blackness wishing i was doing better and i wish all people who are non-indigenous worked on their non-indigenous bias masi cho to my ancestors to my granny my mom what strength looks like through your example i want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt and navigate these colonial ways my stepmom for showing me what a new immigrant goes through and her Austrian family and her roots teaching me to be proud Calgarian and proud of culture. It is through her I'm a second generation Calgarian. Thank you to my husband Darcy. Um, 
on top of producing and editing this show. He has been my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, witnessing decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, we are so blessed to learn from you daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. My hope is my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues. Uh, my patron account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to previous donors for showing your support. You really helped us out over last year. It was a tough year. Uh, if you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. On January 4th, I'm putting out my birthday wish to go to Ottawa on May 4th. So if you'd like to make a one-time donation to help me run for the Indigenous Peoples Commission female co-chair, you can donate there. And I want to end by giving side-eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin responded, or yet be in my dish. So thank you so much for listening, folks.